0: Get your library card now at TDM Library. The Diversity You can't stop me.
1: Nothing's going to stand in my way. Nothing. nothing, nothing. I'm going to fly higher. I'm
2: going to fly
3: higher.
1: higher.
2: Welcome a.m. to the Hustle Unlimited Podcast. We are back and we are so excited to share these new episodes with you. I'm Jason Gilligan, producer of Hustle Unlimited and CEO of the EarFluence Podcast Network. And today, you're about to hear an interview with Hustle Unlimited host Donald Thompson and special guest Heather Chandler, who is a senior producer on the most popular and highest grossing video game in the world. Heather has been hustling her whole career and has a unique perspective on diversity and inclusion in the workplace given that, as a woman, she was in a field of almost all men her whole career. And now she's hustling in a different way as she started her own business. And you'll hear more about that on this interview today. We'll get to Heather in just a second, but first let me remind you to subscribe to the show on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen, give us a rating and review as well and share this episode on any social media platform that helps us find more great inspirational guests, the hustlers, the trailblazers, the movers and shakers and the people who make their communities a better place. This season, We'll be in your feed every Monday with a new episode to help you get inspired for the week ahead. And without further ado, here's Walk West CEO, investor, speaker, mentor, advisor, and all-around hustler himself, host of the podcast, Donald Thompson.
3: However, thank you so much for joining us on Hustle Unlimited. Folks, I've had the opportunity to meet Heather. She actually attended a speaking event I did a few years ago. And usually at speaking events, I'll reach out and I'll say very simply, uh, if you'd like a cup of coffee, Brad, I'd love to talk to you about your goals and dreams a little bit more. And most people don't actually do that. I'll get things on LinkedIn. I'll get a phone call question here or now. But Heather said, hey, listen, why don't we have that cup of coffee? And from doing that, we really struck up a friendship and really an appreciation and respect for all the things that she's done in the past in the gaming space, but also what she's doing uh, in the future with her new business that we'll talk about uh, in a minute. So Heather, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me, Donald. I'm so glad I took you up on that offer. So let's jump in. Sure.
3: Because you've got a lot to share and a lot that I'm really, really interested in, kind of learning about what you're doing. Okay. Let's take a step back. And why don't you tell the folks a little bit about what you've done in the gaming industry and then hold that powerful, massive game that you actually worked on, that everybody knows about, (laughs) until we get to kind of the second question.
1: Okay. Well, I make video games. I started working in the video game industry about 23 years ago. My first job was at Activision in Los Angeles. At the time, I didn't know that I wanted to make video games. In fact, I had recently graduated with a degree from the School of Film at USC and was working in the film industry at New Line Cinema. And I started getting calls from people at game companies because they were interested in getting people with film backgrounds to come work at game companies. They saw an overlap with folks that might know how to manage complex parts of making a film and the creative elements and the you know audience that you have to keep in mind and bring some of those learnings over to the game space to see if we could maybe put our arms around what you actually need to do to make a game because it was kind of the wild west where you had just a group of people who said hey i have an idea they'd make a game but they were trying to figure out ways to do this better so that we could make better business from it
3: and one of the things about gaming like i've played video games but i wouldn't consider myself a gamer right tell me about that community that you were trying to serve and how you guys creatively built amazing product
1: to kind of meet those needs. So back then, games were mainly considered things that kids played or people who were called geeks played. Um, and really what happened is when I started working in the industry, that's when PlayStation started releasing its first console. And I'm sure most of the listeners have some sort of gaming console in their house. And that's kind of where it all started about 20 years ago, when people started more inviting games into their home. And to kind of reach those audiences, we need to come up with fun games that were highly interactive, that people wanted to share with their friends or experience and get fully immersed into a story. And so back then, you had games that ran the gamut from really heavy story-laden games to sports games, to the action, to the adventure game, remember, missed, the point and click game where you would explore an environment and solve puzzles. So there was a wide variety of games to kind of try to capture whoever that audience was. And, you know, as the audience has evolved, more and more people now identify as gamers because we have games for everybody.
3: That's pretty powerful. One of the things that um, as an outside of the game industry i look at is there's a business behind this entertainment right and one of the things behind anything is how do you keep someone's attention right focused for a long period of time what are some of the things that you guys thought about to keep not just the game fun to play but keep people coming back more and more again and again
1: so some of the things that we do when you play a game is it's very important to create especially in today's world like Again, back then, 20 years ago, games were very different because a person could sit just by themselves and play it, and they would have a wonderful experience. They'd play a game from beginning to end, and then they'd wait a year for the sequel to come out to their favorite game, Uh, Final Fantasy being an example of that, that probably resonates with a lot of folks out there. But today, we have designed games so that hopefully people will enjoy the first version of the game and then want to download additional content and continue enjoying it. And so, one of the things that we try to do is we want to create a game in which the player always has goals that they can achieve large goals and smaller goals and have the player have a feeling of progression as they're playing the game that they're getting something out of it, that they're earning, you know, extra treats, that they are becoming more skillful. And also, with the social aspect having fun ways to socialize with their friends and compare sort of their stats and how they play the games, or just simply invite friends together after school or after work to hang out and play an online game.
3: So that's really powerful. So what I'm hearing is that it's not only the creation of a game that's exciting, that's fun to play, but there's like a social community that's been developed around gaming. And that's really powerful because obviously social media, the way that marketing is done today, it seems like you guys have used a lot of those concepts, right, in building powerful games. So now, how did you get from the West Coast? And then you came to Epic Games. Mm-hmm. Give some of the background of that. And then uh, the, the follow-on to that is your experience working on Fortnite. Okay. Which is literally like the most popular, most <laughs> successful game in the history of gaming.
1: Yes, that is, that is not an overstatement. And, you know, I started out at Activision. At the time, Activision was known as one of the grandfathers of gaming. They made a lot of games for the Atari console or the 2600. And I just started working there. They had a huge internal development studio at the time. There were 300 developers working there. Developers meaning, you know, people who actually code, design, or make art for games. So I was exposed to the people who were actually doing the things in the game and also exposed to the people who were publishing and distributing the game, the business side of it. And so while I was there, I had access to, I was just a lowly production assistant, but Because of that role, I basically had a free pass to go wherever I wanted and kind of talk to whoever I wanted. Everybody was always very open with answering my questions, and I asked a lot of them. I was really interested in the whole whole process of how games were made. And after I had been at Activision about a couple months, my boss asked me, well, where do you see yourself going in the next few years? Like, what do you want to do now that you've been here? And I said, well, I'm really interested in game production. And basically, the producer kind of sits at the center of the team and pulls all the pieces together to make the game. And he said, yeah, I think that I could see you doing that. So here's what you need to do. And he gave me a list of different things that I needed to do. He was my first mentor in the industry. And I'll come back to that in a a little bit. And so I started doing these things. And a lot of it just revolves around educating yourself. Learn a little bit about coding, learn a little bit of art, play games, actually. I mean, he encouraged me to play games. And that was a position where I spent probably two to three hours at my desk playing games. Now, I had to play a variety of games. And so I would say, okay, well, I'm going to check these games out this week. And I would talk to other people about them and learn like what made this a good game or a bad game, because it's just as important to play bad games so that you can see how not to do things. That's
3: really important. So the couple points that you made, right, one on mentorship, one on helping someone helping you define a a career path. Mm -hmm. The other thing is you got to look at how things are broken. Yes. know how it does it right. So let me see on the mentorship for a little bit. Sure. Uh, when I look at gaming and look at technology, as I've uh, progressed in my career and different things, I don't really know a lot of women in the gaming space. And I'm interested about how that journey was for you and maybe some tips mm-hmm. or points of guidance, right, for folks that are listening that are looking at STEM-type related careers.
1: Yep. When I got into the gaming industry, yeah, you're right, there's not a lot of females that work at game companies and certainly 20 years ago that wasn't the case. In fact, in the studio which is where I spent most of my time, there were three women and 300 developers. Um, you know, and there was just the three of us. They did have other women in places like HR, marketing, sales. Again, not a high high percentage. And I would say that Activision was a great experience for me. I know there are toxic places to work in the game industry. I myself haven't encountered sort of the full brunt of it, so I can't really speak to that. But I can say I was very willing to ask questions and I was very willing to listen to what people had to say to me. In some cases, perhaps they were telling me something that I already knew, but instead of dismissing it, I thought, well, I'm going to listen even though I already know this. Maybe there's something new I can glean from this. So I really was in a position where I was like a sponge and I was just open to whatever the experience brought me. And I can't think of any particular times when I felt uncomfortable. Everybody was always very open and very nice. As I progressed in my career, I was always in the minority as a female. I went to another place where I was the only female in the studio and the upshot was that the bathroom was always unoccupied and very clean, <laughs> the bathroom was always clean. you know. <laughs> and I think for them, it was a little bit weird because they were used to using the women's bathroom. But then when I came along, then they had to stop doing that. So sometimes I do wonder when I think back, I'm like looking at it from the lens of like diversity and disrupting and all of that what was that experience like for them i mean here they are kind of just trying to do their thing and i come in and nobody was ever mean to me about it but it, there was a little imbalance in their ecosystem but by the time i left we had more women working in there and i wasn't the only one so we think things like that are important to you have to go into a situation you have to uh not be afraid to do it and you have to Do it gently in many ways, right? To get them used to the idea.
3: No, I think it's very powerful. A couple of things you said. Number one, you can be a trailblazer and it doesn't have to be a negative experience, right? Your experience was nuanced for many that you worked with and a lot of people are available for help for you, but Mm -hmm. you had to ask them. Yes. And a couple of things that you described is one, you were a good listener. Number two, you were professionally persistent, Mm -hmm. right? You would ask people and then you found folks that were willing to be teachers and then you got smarter along the way. And I relate to that so completely because as a non-technologist in a technology space, as a non-creative running a creative business, right? I have to rely on people that are willing to educate me, mm-hmm. but I have to humble myself and ask, right? And there's a there's a point of humility to say, I don't know something, will you help me? Right. And the the reality is there's more good people than not. Mm-hmm. And if you kind of reach out, there's more people that will reach back. And I think that's a great lesson that you've learned. So now tell me a little bit about this uh, rocket ship, Fortnite.
1: Okay. Yeah. So after working at Activision, I had a stint at Electronic Arts. I worked at Ubisoft on the Ghost Recon series. While I was there um, working on Ghost Recon, I wrote a book about how to make games. And it was written from the perspective of a game producer. So it goes through start to finish how you make a game. And that was the book that I wrote because it was what I wished I'd had when I started on my journey to become a game producer. There's lots of pieces to to making a game and there was no one resource for someone to to learn about it. There were books about how to code, how to make art, and game design. So I wrote that book, and it kind of became established in the game industry. It's used at universities as a teaching tool. I get people who come up to me at conferences, and they're like, oh, I read your book. It was amazing. And I wrote three editions of it, and I'm working on a new version. It's with a different publisher. So I've actually rewrote the entire thing from the ground up, and that will be coming out at the beginning of next year. And it's basically just about if you have an idea and you want to make a game, and it doesn't talk about like the coding, the design, or the art. The assumption is that there are resources to do that. But it's like, what are the things you need to do? How do you pull this together? Business-wise, who do you need to talk to? What are the different people who can come out and help you? And so I did all that, and that gave me enough credibility to become an independent consultant. And I'm getting, I'm getting to the epic thing, because it's, no, you know, no, this is a great it's a big, journey. big old like, journey. <laughs> you wrote the book on how to make a game, like, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so continue. So I wrote that, and I finished up working on the Ghost Recon series, and I had the opportunity to become a freelance consultant. So I'd established myself sort of with enough credibility and expertise that I was able to, for 10 years work with a variety of companies, helping them with sort of their game production needs or companies who were interested in getting into the game space, but they didn't know where to start. So I would go and help them do that. And the whole time I was doing this, I was still living in North Carolina and I knew Epic Games was here. Everybody in the game industry here knows that Epic Games is amazing and awesome. And I did that for 10 years as a freelancer. And I thought, okay, you know what? I'm ready to... Go back to having a team that I work with on a daily basis, that I get that face-to-face communication. Working as a freelancer can sometimes be lonely because you're working out of your home office and you do a lot of traveling, but you don't have a place to hang your hat. And I knew a fair number of people who'd worked at Epic from other places I'd worked, and I knew that they hired the best people. They've got the best developers, the most passionate people, the company... Uh, really cares about its employees. I thought, you know what, if I'm going to go back, I can't pick a better company than Epic to kind of take that foray back. So I ended up being hired on as a producer, a senior producer there actually. And I worked on Fortnite for three and a half years. And I started working on Fortnite before it was sort of a gleam in anybody's eye the game itself had been in development at the studio for quite some time and i worked on it for about two and a half years before it was released and then after it was released of course the battle royale mode just kind of blew up and it became like the game of the century yeah
3: you know and that and, and like you said before like that can't be overstated right uh, the experience is there but just as compelling to me as a business leader and a business individual. Like you took and productized your knowledge. Right? Mm-hmm. You wrote a book and said, you know what? I have something to say. I have a perspective. I have some knowledge to give back, right? To an industry that was good to me and, and I want to make it better. Yes. And that takes a lot of risk, right? Like what, what gave you the confidence to do that? The Fortnite piece is amazing and, and that ride is amazing. But a lot of our listeners aren't necessarily building the next game, but they are thinking about how do they build their next business? And for you to write a book that's powerful, that's that's world-renowned, why did you do that? What made you think you should do that?
1: At the heart of what one of my driving motivators is, is that I enjoy teaching and mentoring people. And I'm always seeking that for myself. And again, when my boss said to me, hey, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Here's a list of stuff, which by the way, I'm actually working with that boss today on different projects. So he and I have stayed in touch, you know, and that's really cool. That's what motivated me to write the book because I thought there's a need for this. People want to understand what game production is. Now, these days, people have a better understanding and people realize, at least in the game industry, the importance of a producer. You know, you have them, I'm sure, for your marketing things. But there was really nothing out there. And I thought producing is more than just ordering food for the team. It's more than sitting in meetings and taking notes. There is a specific role that they play on the game team, and it's very important. Now, some people might say, well, actually creating the game is more important because I agree, yes, you actually have to have something to ship. But what I like (laughs) to say is, how many games have you heard of where someone's like, I've got this game idea, and I'm going to make it, and they make it, but then it doesn't go anywhere because they didn't have a producer to help them pull those pieces together and push it forward.
3: That's exactly right. You know, what I'm hearing and learning and from previous conversations with you Right, building a game is a team sport. Yes. Right. And so without a key component to that team, right, you're just not going to be as successful. And that's a really good analogy to bring us to our next point. You decided to create something else new, right? You wanted to go into the escape room business. Yes. Talk to our audience a little bit about what you're doing next, the motivation behind it, and how they could reach out and be a part of it. Okay.
1: So after working on Fortnite for three and a half years, I thought, you know, working on Fortnite, and this is no joke, is a a once-in-a-lifetime experience for anybody. It's the biggest game in the world with the best team in the world. Everybody plays it. I would get, you know, mobbed by my son's friends. Hey, you know, Fortnite this. What's the next thing? Give me some V-Bucks. And I thought, you know, I want to take all of this knowledge that I have learned, and I want to challenge myself to do something new. I constantly am learning and challenging myself, because that's how you grow. And so I left Epic, took some time off to kind of think about what I wanted my next move to be. And my husband, who is a game designer, which is kind of funny, a producer and a game designer, because we think very differently, we thought, hey, you know what? An escape room uses both of our skill sets in a very clear way, and it's a good way for us to work together. So we thought, hey, let's try this. So I put together the business plan and I handle all the business stuff. And we created Whole Brain Escape and Apex because we love Apex. That's where we live. And we wanted, again, to bring the knowledge that we had and share it with other people and create a fun, interactive experience where you can come and hang out with your friends, your family or coworkers, and just actually get away from technology, ironically, for a little bit.
3: One of the things that, in terms of give back and being a part of other organizations, tell me a little bit about Launch Apex and what you guys are doing uh, to create a better and and more inclusive community, a great business environment to grow in.
1: Okay. I had the pleasure of being part of a Launch Apex cohort last year when I began my entrepreneurial journey. This is a group uh, that is part of a larger initiative called Launch Wake County. Launch Wake County is sponsored by many different companies, and forgive me if I don't remember all of them, but I know for sure that Wake Tech is involved, several local rotary clubs, and the goal is to create opportunities for people who have business ideas to get entrepreneurial training so that they can go out and start their businesses. It started about three years ago, and they started first in downtown Raleigh with a cohort of about 20 people. And the idea is, you know, let's arm these people with the knowledge they need to create a business plan and to begin their entrepreneurial journey, pair them up with mentors. So once they graduate, they get paired up with a mentor that they work with for six months. And then if needed, they also get access to some funding, uh, some low-interest funding through something called Kiva.org. And so Launch Wake County encompasses several of these initiatives, Launch Apex being one, but there's Launch Holly Springs, there's Launch Cary, there's Launch Raleigh. And what it's doing, which I think is super exciting, it is building a community of entrepreneurs because as they graduate each class, we all get together once a year. They just had a big one in Wake Forest where all the launch folks get together. And you know, meet each other, we support each other, we help each other's businesses. I met sort of 10 best friends in the group that I'm in. and so these are local apex businesses, and we help each other, get the word out, we advise each other. and I, I still see all of them today.
3: Oh, that's phenomenal. Thanks for sharing that because one of the things as people are looking at chase their entrepreneurial dream is how do I get help, right? Because doing it alone is hard. Yes. Right, And the more that we amplify programs like Launch Apex, the more people understand it's not whether the help is out there, it's how do I find the right help for me? And that's a totally different and more powerful question. Now,
1: Whole Brain Escape Mm -hmm.
3: and Apex North Carolina, how would people get in touch with you?
1: They can go to our website, www.wholebrainescape.com. You can book online. You can also contact us there. There's email there if you want to Email me or there's a phone number if you want to get in touch and we'd love to have you come check us out.
3: So one of the things that is, you know, and I've I've been to an escape room before and I'm glad it was a team game (laughs) because I was, uh, you know, I wasn't the weakest link, but I was close (laughs) in, in terms of doing it. What are some of the benefits to, like, let's say I was to bring my company there. What are some of the benefits to companies and organizations actually having that experience?
1: I think the escape room is a great way. There's a couple components to it. First of all, it's just something fun to do that's different. That's not, hey, let's go get drinks you know, later or go eat. Let's go do something that's interactive and just fun to do. Most companies, when they bring people, uh, it's just for a fun outing to hang out with people. But the secondary benefit is... It gives your team an opportunity to work together on something that's outside of what they normally do, and hopefully gives you some insight into how other people think on your team. One of the things that I've learned as a producer is that everybody thinks differently. and my role as a producer, that was very important for me to understand because I have to go around and make sure that people understand what needs to get done, resolve conflicts with people, make sure that there's a shared understanding, and you can't take a one-size-fits-all approach. You can't you know, dictate, hey, here's how we're going to do it, and then just say that's it. You have to listen to people. You have to appreciate how they think or learn. The escape room lets people see that, because you might have somebody who you might say, hey, I was the weakest link, but if you were there helping, saying, hey, I see a lock over here that needs five letters, or I see a clue over here. Did you guys see that? That's an important role. That's the person who's pointing out, hey, here's some information that you might need to know. So even if you didn't solve a puzzle, which I, I doubt that, I'm sure there was at least one puzzle you solved, <laughs> there's benefit, right? That's and right. everybody has to appreciate, hey, I see that guy sitting, or girl sitting at their desk. What do they do all day? I'm not sure that they bring value. And again, it's about helping people understand that everybody's on the team for a reason. And they all do something very valuable. And if you get them in an escape room and they're kind of talking in a fun environment and they kind of see, hey, wow, I didn't realize it. That person's really good at that. Or they might spark conversation of common interest based on a theme. Like we have an 80s themed escape room that's just super popular. That gets people talking. Oh, gosh, I remember this when I was a kid. It helps them build rapport with their team as well.
3: No, I think that's a great explanation and and super exciting. One of the things that you said in terms of moving into this new business for you and your husband is challenging yourself to do something new. And you accepted that challenge, mm-hmm. right? All of us struggle from time to time with taking that leap to do something new and having people around you that encourage you, that are going to support you is super like it's just super exciting. And then once you do it, you realize succeeding or failing is not the scary part. Getting started is the scary part. Yes. Right? Because you can learn so many different ways to make things successful or even if something didn't meet all your wild expectations, you learned enough, you met so many new people that you're just better off for the next thing that's going to be a great success. Mm -hmm. But you can't win sitting still. That's right. I've asked a lot of questions and I've got a lot more because I'm super excited about chatting with you. What would you like to share? Let me give you some open space about any of the topics that, that we've touched on.
1: I would say that definitely one of the things I'm interested in is educating middle schoolers and high schoolers on STEM and getting into games. Games, parents listen, is a viable career. Your kids can be successful in it. It requires a lot of knowledge and a lot of hard work to become very good at it. And I get excited going around, and now that I have time, you know, when I work for myself, I can pick my priorities. So I've made time to get more involved with programs that promote STEM for girls or middle school kids or high school kids, because I think that's important. And if they learn now that there is something very fun about games, but yet you have to know how to code or to make art, it gets them interested in those STEM subjects like math. You have to know math if you're going to be a game programmer, right? You can't get around it with art or design, literature and history are very, very important because you have to understand what's come before you and figure out how you can bring that knowledge and to make something new out of it. So that's something that I get very passionate about that I'm really interested in getting more involved with. So if there's folks out there or people that you know that are looking for somebody who's excited about that, please get in touch with me.
3: No, that's phenomenal. And I really appreciate you sharing. I think we all have a responsibility when we have achieved any measure of success. What's our give back, Mm -hmm. right? And one of the things that I'm working on, and it kind of ties into that, is diversity and inclusion. My story, which is not the purpose of this episode, but the point of connection is that we all have a way that we can give. We all have an experience that when we share that experience can create that nudge forward, right, for somebody else to make their dreams come true. And I've had a lot of, just like you talked about your mentor, uh, I I had breakfast yesterday. Uh, with uh, Grant Willard, who's a mentor of mine. And we just were talking a little bit about the past. But what's really cool is we were just talking about some of the things he wanted to do to help better some of the people he's working with in his new company. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about how to take knowledge that we have and how do we get it to other folks so that they can be better off. And when you surround yourself with that type of individual and individuals like, like yourself, it just is a lot more fun.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's one of the things, you know, when you mentioned the story of how we met, I was like, whoa, I can't believe this guy's just saying, hey, email me. And and I believed you when you said it. Sometimes you meet people and they're like, oh, hey, email me, call me. And then I do. And then sorely disappointed because they don't reach back out or it just never comes to fruition. But if anybody's going to offer to spend some free time with me to teach me about things that I don't know, and I, there's a lot I don't know, I definitely am going to take them up on. And I, I would encourage everyone to do that.
3: What is super cool about the the way that we met and from that engagement, there was maybe 200 people there Mm -hmm. and maybe 10 people reached out and about seven really followed up and we kind of got together. But one of those seven was you and I meeting. And I remember leaving that breakfast that we had super excited, not only about the questions you asked of me, but about the things I learned through your experience and the way that you had to create and tell stories to build games, just like I do every day in marketing for our clients. And so We may look different. We may have different backgrounds, but there's so much synergy amongst us. And one of the things that this is my little soapbox. We'll see if it makes the episode. The media tries to tell us that we're for or against each other. And they try to pit us against each other based on the way we look, our background and all this difference. It's just crap. Right. But every day of my life is so opposite of that because the majority of the people I meet are just wanting to do things great for their family. They're just wanting to do things better for their career. And they're just wanting to be helpful. And we just have to amplify more of those situations than the ones that the media kind of likes to cover the train wrecks. And it's not that those train wrecks in our environment don't exist, but it's not actually the norm. And I think our our relationship and our meeting is just another example of people with a little bit different kind of walk, right? Of How we can walk together Mm -hmm. and do things that are super cool. So thank you so much for joining us on Hustle Unlimited. It was fun for me. I hope it was educational and fun for you. It was, it was amazing.
1: Thank you very much. Higher,
2: higher. That was Heather Chandler from Whole Brain Escape in Apex, North Carolina. You can find Whole Brain Escape at wholebrainescape.com or on any social media platform at wholebrainesc. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Heather. The work that she's doing to support STEM learning and entrepreneurship in the community is truly inspiring. And I look forward to visiting the Whole Brain Escape soon. This episode was edited and produced by me, Jason Gilligan, for Earfluence. For more on the Earfluence Podcast Network, visit earfluence.com or check us out on social media, we're at Earfluence Media. Intro and outro music for this episode is You Can't Stop Me from Jensen Reed. You can find more of his music, including the hilarious Back to the Eighties at Jensenreed.com. Next week on Hustle Unlimited.
3: I got bored. And I wanted to have fun and I did what I thought was fun. And so, you know, whoever's listening, if you're kind of stuck in your life and you want that side hustle, don't do the side hustle because uh, you want money. I mean, sure, that's important, but what keeps you awake at night when you're working and what what makes you work in those 30 minute intervals or whatever, is not the money,
2: it's the fun, right? It's like you love it. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next week.